For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Check, check. All right, what's happening, Rebels? It is Tuesday, Tuesday commentary, because I'm in our office on Monday. Hope you're doing well. Uh, today's program is sponsored by Liberty HealthShare. It's what we use for our healthcare provider. It is at libertyhealthshare.org slash rebel. And our sponsor of battleflags.us.com, battleflagsus.com, battleflagsus.com. Got a lot to talk about. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I am off carnivore. Um, tried it for a week, uh, lost a ton of weight. Um, how do I explain it? I just felt weird. I felt odd on the diet and then I lost my appetite completely, uh, to the point where I was trying to eat and then just wasn't hungry. And that just felt odd to me. And so I decided, I mean, it's, it's what I do with lots of stuff. If it works, keep going. If it doesn't move on to something else, no big deal. Uh, and gotta say, uh, did not work for me. Um, didn't work for me. I mean, I lost a ridiculous amount of weight. I mean, I was down seven pounds in a week, uh, which seems fairly extreme. <clears throat> and my body just felt odd. Uh, so I am uh, still high protein, high fat, low carb, uh, which I think is healthy for me. Um, back on some vegetables and some uh, uh, slow carb um, things like sweet potatoes, uh, but a little bit, moderation. Um, weight seems to stay off, uh, and I feel better. Um, it was very, very odd to not ever be hungry. After about day three, appetite completely went away, wasn't ever hungry again. I was eating one meal a day if, and that was because it was that thing where I was like, I'm supposed to eat, so I have to eat something. Um, and then I would eat, and it was I've been given like force feeding and I can't stand that. It just makes me so sick to my stomach. Can't stand the force feeding. So, um, definitely not into that. So no more carnivore for me. No more. Uh, something I want to recall from last week, I was talking about the brokered convention, um, and how Bloomberg dropped out of the race. And I was super surprised. He didn't drop out of the race. He suspended his campaign. He suspended his campaign, which means it's not over. He can come back if a brokered uh, delegation, brokered convention happens and try to buy the election. Uh, absolutely can do that. Or just tell Biden, you know, I'll give you half a billion dollars if you uh, let me be your vice president. Um, so that's, I mean, the rumors I hear, here's the rumors I hear from D.C. It's so funny to tell you people this stuff. Uh, the rumors I hear from D.C. are uh, Bloomberg will come in for a brokered delegation, a brokered convention where uh, Biden nor Sanders gets enough delegation points to win the nomination outright. Then you got to go to a brokered convention where they vote on who the nominee is going to be. And they think Bloomberg's going to swoop in, try to get vice presidency with Biden. Uh, clearly, he couldn't do it with Sanders, but do that with Biden. And then... Apparently, the plan is two years into Biden's presidency, declare him unfit because he's totally bananas and uh, seems unfit, from my opinion. Uh, totally my opinion. Uh, not basing that on fact, but that's the story I hear from uh, my insiders in D.C. So I think it's funny 
just to see how much dirty politics are playing. Um, and, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a Democrat, and I wasn't, I didn't mean this disparagingly towards them or the Democratic Party, but I was like, are you sad at who your nominees are going to be? And they were like, yeah, totally. And I just thought, I would be sad too. Of all the people that were running that did have a good head on their shoulders, that did have some good points uh, to get down to Sanders-Biden, wow, Sanders-Biden-Bloomberg, how sad, how sad. Um, Klobuchar, uh, Yang, Yang Gang, I thought that was great. Uh, I think he was looking for true answers. I didn't agree with everything. Obviously, I'm, I'm a conservative. So clearly, I don't agree with everything on the liberal side. And I felt like he was really looking for true answers and looking at the math of the problem, not the feelings around the problem. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, I really thought she's a smart person. thought she had a lot of very interesting things to say. So to go from the Yang Gang and Tulsi Gabbard and Klobuchar, uh, you know, uh, Cory Booker, I don't know. Mm. I like that he dates Rosario Dawson, but that really has nothing to do with anything. Um, but to go from that field and to whittle it down to Sanders, by the way, this is a crazy thing. I was watching the Hillary Clinton documentary and her talking about Sanders and how nobody likes Sanders. Think about who that comes from. This is so crazy. When Hillary Clinton says no one likes you, you really know that means something. I'm going to give you a little bit of context. So John Jones is a UFC fighter. John Jones has done some really bad things throughout his career. He keeps trying to bounce back and then falls back into the dark side. Um, got popped for steroids. Got popped for cocaine. Um, Got popped for a hit and run. He hit a pregnant woman. Obviously, he didn't know she was pregnant when he hit her, but hit a car and then ran from the scene, came back to grab his pot pipe and a wad of cash, did not go help the lady that he hit, but ran off and uh, had a hit and run with a pregnant woman. Um, so he's done some really bad things, and he was talking about... Totally going to draw a blank. Don't remember. But he was like... I mean, you think I'm a bad guy. This person, though, is legitimately a bad guy. I mean, coming from me, this is a bad guy. Like, if John Jones is calling you a bad guy, dude, you're a bad guy. If Hillary Clinton says no one likes you, for real, no one likes you. And again, that's all I hear from my friends in D.C. It's all I hear from my friends that work with people in the House and the Senate, that uh, he's a career politician, has never done anything in his life uh, except be a politician, and is maybe the hardest person in D.C. to work with. Nobody wants him uh, to get the nomination. So uh, that's very, very interesting and just kind of sad for the Democratic Party um, that they're running uh, Biden, Bloomberg, or Sanders. Yikes. What a sad, sad state of affairs. All right, enough about that. Um, you know that Lincoln and I watched all the Marvel movies chronologically. We're now in Star Wars chronologically. We're getting towards the end, and I've been wondering, what are we going to do? We're going to do Harry Potter next. And then I was thinking, I don't know what else to do, and someone gave me a great idea. All of the Hobbit Lord of the Rings movies after Harry Potter. So I'm very, very And we may do that first because I'm reading Harry Potter to Lucy, and I know she wants to watch the movies, although they're a little scary. I'm not sure she's ready for it. And check it out. The Hobbit, Unexpected Journey, Hobbit, Desolation of Smog, Hobbit, Battle of Five Armies, then Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. That is a substantial amount of viewing time. So 
uh, the movie marathon continues if you'd like to follow along. Uh, it is a fun thing to do when your kids hit that teenage year. And every now and then we have good conversations while the movie goes on. Like I'll hit pause and he'll want to talk to me about something. Um, I don't know if you've heard me talk about code words for kids um, to help build your relationship and to protect them if they're in trouble. Uh, there's three forms. There's the uh, I do or don't want to go someplace. And you can have a code phrase like ours used to be, may I go someplace as I really want to go here. You would approve. Will you let me go? Is that okay? Can I go someplace means people are standing around me and I don't want to go to this place. Will you please get me out of this? Uh, we have a totally different phrase system now because I've told everybody what it is. That's the first one. Second one is I am at some place and I'm uncomfortable and I need you to come get me. Uh, and you can have whatever phrase you want. Um, but you can talk about what's for dinner or is grandma coming this weekend or I mean anything you ask, whatever your phrase is, it is, I have wound up at some place. I wasn't expecting it to be this way. I am now uncomfortable. Will you come get me? And then the third is mom and dad can't come get me. Uh, but this person is trusted. You were expecting mom or dad. This new person came, they've given you the code phrase, uh, and they are a trusted person. He, having that conversation with your kids lets them know you're thinking about them in a very unique way. And if they find themselves in trouble, you are going to be there for them. Uh, and I got to tell you, the older your kids get, the more they're going to need it, especially if your kids babysit. If you've got sons or, sons or daughters that babysit, uh, maybe your daughter's babysitting and the couple comes home and the dad wants to drive her home. Not gonna happen. By the way, you always got to tell people that. Never have a dad drive a girl home. Never have a dad drive a girl home. Never have a dad drive a girl home. Never do it. That's it. Just never do it. Dads don't drive girls home. Girls don't let dads drive you home. Don't do it. So it could be that. It could be the couple came home and I think they've had a couple pops. I think they had a couple of drinks and I'm not comfortable. So the rule is, and you tell your daughters to tell the families that they're babysitting for, I always have to call my parents before we come home. Always have to call my parents. In that phone call, when they call you, they use your secret code phrase that says, hey, you got to come get me. And then all of a sudden, oh, I didn't know my dad's already on his way over here. Because that's what you do for your kids. You let them know, I'm thinking about you. I care about you. I want to protect you. If I can, I will always know I'm there for you. Uh, and by the way, it's come up two times with my kids in the last couple weeks. Two different times it's come up with my kids. I got to tell you, here's the crazy thing too. As your kids get older and over and you give them more autonomy and they become more self-sufficient and they do more and more things on their own, I miss doing things for them. I miss being there all the time. I miss them needing me for everything. And so when they do need me, man, I am Johnny on the spot. I am right there, ready to go at all times. And I think that's a great thing for you to be there for your kids. Um, let's go into the news. Study says, this is more news of the duh. Like, really? Who didn't think this? Uh, it says, more than half of people on antidepressants experience withdrawal effects when coming off of them, especially if you've been on it for a long time. I don't know why this is new news. I don't know why someone should be surprised about this. But do know if you're on antidepressants and you want to wean off, wean off with a doctor. Have a Don't just go cold turkey off medications, off virtually any medication. That's a terrifying thing to do. If you have addiction in your past, when you're going to talk to your doctor about medications they're prescribing, 
Some of the things you can ask your doctor is, what kind of a feeling will this medication give me? Whether it's an antidepressant or, a, or an ADD med or a sleep med, I mean, anything along those things, along those lines. There are medications that will make you feel a certain way, and there are medications that won't affect your um, emotions, your feelings. It won't give you any kind of a a body effect. One of the uh, sleep medications, Belsamra, doesn't make you feel any way, uh, unlike an Ambien or a sleeping pill, which makes you drowsy or groggy. People that struggle with addiction would have a harder time getting off of those than something like a Belsamra, which doesn't have a feeling attached to it. So if you know someone that struggles with addiction and you're helping them with medication, what feeling will this make me feel? And the second one is if I take this for six months and cut it off cold turkey, what will happen? It's something you should talk about with your doctor with all medications. Will this give me a withdrawal effect, whether it's psychological or physical? I need to know what the withdrawal effects are going to be. Uh, and it's why that study has come out saying, um, if you've been on antidepressants, especially for a long period of time, coming off of them will probably give you withdrawal symptoms, which can make you feel like you're depressed again, or that you're anxious or sad, or that your anxiety is up, uh, especially anxiety, um, benzodiazepines of any kind, uh, which would be Xanax, Clonopin, uh, Valium, that kind of stuff, always will give you a side effect uh, when you're coming off of it for a period of time. All the opioids will give you uh, side effects when you're coming off of them. So definitely ask doctors about that. Um, if you're looking for ways where you're feeling anxious or sad, and uh, <clears throat> you want to make yourself feel better, Inc. Magazine has a bunch of ways uh, to make yourself feel better. One, commit to doing one nice thing for yourself a day. It's a good thing. Um, what, what, whatever that might be. I don't know. Um, listen to yourself. Uh, understand that you've got something to say and you've got something to say to yourself. If you're feeling a certain way, recognize that you're feeling that way. Forgive yourself. That's a big one. Don't beat yourself up. Accept yourself as you are right now. Do you want to get better? Sure, I want to get better too. But who I am right now is who I am right now. Uh, I had a situation a week ago. I won't go into it uh, uh, in depth, but I'll be talking to my therapist about it this week. I talked to Laura about it. I have grown in healing in a certain area, and I can tell because uh, of certain actions I've taken in my life. I know that's so vague, and I apologize for it to be so vague, and uh, it was a growth step for me, and I was very proud of myself in that. Uh, eliminate, toxic, eliminate toxic people in your life and, if possible, from your workspace. Um, it's a great book. I think it's Gary Chapman, When to Walk Away. Just look up the book, When to Walk Away. That's a fantastic book on eliminating toxic relationships in your life. Uh, those cause so much stress and heartache for you. Get rid of them. Prioritize your health. Stop skipping meals. Learn to breathe. Uh, look up square breathing. Look up lion's breath. Uh, Google breathing, breathing techniques. That will help you in all kinds of situations. Um, get some sunlight. That's fantastic. Those are great, great things that you can do. Um, another thing is working on your sex life with your spouse. If you're married and you've got a poor sex life, uh, the Gottman Institute, by the way, all of these things will be on the Rebel Parenting blog at rebelparenting.org slash blog. I will have the show notes with all of these articles there. The Gottman Institute uh, said, uh, ba ba fact, couples who have a great sex life everywhere on the planet are doing the same set of things. Think about that. Anywhere in the world, no matter where you are, if you have a great sex life, you're probably doing these sets of things. If you have a bad sex life, you're probably not doing these sets of things in your life. That is one of the determinators. 
Uh, and let's just go through some of those. They say, I love you every day and they mean it. It's not one of those pat things. They say, I love you every day and they mean it. They kiss one another passionately for no reason. They kiss for no reason. By the way, I got to tell you, when Laura had reconstructive facial surgery, uh, we couldn't touch her lips for uh, almost a year. Uh, and now it's barely like it. So that was a really big deal to stop that. We stopped kissing for a long, long, long time. We can barely do it now. So then we got to work on uh, because she's still in pain from that surgery more than a year later. Uh, they give surprise romantic gifts. Um, that's one of my love languages. I love giving gifts. It's one of my favorite things. I love doing that with Laura. By the way, she doesn't experience it the way that I experience it. So it's very different. I'm speaking my language. I'm not necessarily speaking her language in that. Uh, it's a much bigger deal when I do the dishes uh, to Laura, although I like giving gifts better than I like doing the dishes. So um, they know what turns their partners on and off in the bedroom. Uh, They're physically affectionate even in public. They keep playing and having fun together. They cuddle. They make sex a priority. Not the last item on a long list of to-do items. They stay good friends. They can talk comfortably about their sex life. They have weekly dates. They take romantic vacations. And they are mindful about turning towards one another. About staying focused on each other. Laura and I went back to having date night. We had to schedule it and had to do it. Have to have date night. Um, we can talk freely about our sex lives. Laura and I always say, if you have a problem with your sex life, you have a communication problem. If you have a problem with your sex life, you've got a communication problem. And one of those things probably is talking about sex in general. For those just listening, my microphone's now flying all over the place, driving me nuts. Um, bum, bum, bum. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, last but not least, let's talk about coronavirus. Okay? <clears throat> Um, <clears throat> I have seen the memes all over the internet. I have seen people fighting over toilet paper in the supermarket and in Walmart, uh, and in Costco's. I talked to a friend of mine that went to, went six different times to Costco to get toilet paper and was denied five out of six times. Finally, the sixth time, uh, he waited at the door, uh, to go in and then finally was let in and they were down to two half pallets. He got one. 10 minutes after it opened, no more toilet paper. And I was like, wow. So my opinion on where this comes from on toilet paper hoarding comes from the Great Depression here in the U.S. Um, there are lots and lots and lots of stories about cleaning out a grandma or a great aunt, uncle, uh, their homes after they pass away and finding huge stashes of toilet paper. Why? Because during the Great Depression, they ran out of toilet paper. And they were using phone books and regular paper and things like that in their bathrooms. And it was really difficult. And it was a traumatic effect on a lot of people. And so people naturally tend to hoard that because passed down from generations is the stories of actually running out of toilet paper. Um, so I was like, all right, I'll go down to Costco today. I'll get some toilet paper. No big deal. Uh, I went down. Before it opened, there had to be 50 to 75 people waiting outside of Costco with baskets in hand, like waiting with their cart, waiting to go in, 50 to 75 people at the door a half hour before it opened. I, like I posted on Instagram today, I could have posted again, but they opened 15 minutes early. There were so many people waiting outside that it got to be waiting in the street around uh, the Costco parking lot. So, obviously, doors open. I walk in. People are running to the back where toilet paper is. I get back there. Guess what? 
No toilet paper. Um, they did have paper towels. I got a thing of paper towels. I don't really know why. Um, and it's not like we don't use them, so whatever. I got paper towels. Uh, I got baby wipes because we use those too. Um, there are no disinfectant wipes of any kind. No Clorox wipes, no generic Kirkland brand disinfectant wipes. There was none of those. Uh, they're on back order. Um, and uh, they're rationing water at Costco. They're rationing water. You can only buy two cases of water. They've got like the 38-pack for $3. You can buy two cases. Uh, there was a guy literally standing there taking cases out of people's baskets, and arguments were starting, uh, which I thought was really interesting. Um, yeah, that was interesting. And so I was walking around. I got my earphones in, my bull tune, the ones I was talking about a couple weeks ago. I was at a friend's place, and he's like, dude, I think I'm going to get those. They're so good. They've just gotten better as I've used them more and more. Um but I had my earphones in and a lady stopped me and she was like, hey, I saw you back at the toilet paper line. I had to turn my earphones off and take them out because I don't want to be rude. She's like, I saw you back at the toilet paper line. I see you've got, you've got baby wipes. Uh, I overheard two workers talking. They're supposed to get a shipment of toilet paper in at 11 o'clock today. And I was like, okay. Uh, and I didn't stay an extra hour wondering if a shipment would show up. Um, I don't know. Buy it on Amazon. Do something. Uh, but, um, it's interesting. It was a very interesting thing to see what they're low on. And so here's what I tell you. If you can, like I used to be a hardcore prepper, just so you know, my background hardcore when Y2K hit, I was more than ready. And not, not only that, I was hired out to a compound to handle security. I got a call fairly last minute saying, hey, we've got a whole compound. And I was like, I've heard. Uh, and they go, and we realized we have no security. Nobody that's coming has any guns of any kind. And I was, well, I do. And they're like, we know. Will you come handle it? And I was like, sure. So I got a place in a compound if I handled security, which I now look back on and find hilarious, although it was great to be there and to know that my family was going to be safe when it took place, um, <clears throat> if it took place. And then nothing happened. So awesome. Um, but here's what we know. It's definitely going to get worse. It for sure is. This is the crazy thing about politicians when they talk about, by the way, I think the liberals are using anything they can to try to, to get at Trump and they're talking about coronavirus. Here's also how, you know, they don't care. They don't truly care about coronavirus. Either they do know the truth and they're not telling you the truth or they just don't care. Here's how, you know, we haven't locked down the borders. That's it. We haven't locked down the borders. If you're concerned about a pandemic, the very first thing a government does is locks down the borders and travel. It's the very first thing you do. There's no talk about locking down the borders. There's no talk from liberals about closing our southern border, closing the northern border, and restricting travel. There's no talk about that whatsoever. That's how you know they don't care. They talk about crisis. They talk about how nothing's been done and it's been downplayed and all the things. Here's the truth. We didn't do enough early on to stop the virus from coming in our country. It's here. It will spread. It will spread everywhere. Um, I don't understand the uh, Apple closed down its headquarters. It has everybody working from home. I don't understand that. You're still going to Costco. You're still going to Walmart. You're still going to the gym. Uh, they're not going home and quarantining themselves. 
So I don't understand what it is about closing businesses. Uh, do you not want to have an outbreak in your business? Uh, okay. I guess. Uh, I got an email from our school about what the procedures are and how many people have to get sick in order for them to close the school down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Honestly, here's my belief. I think lots of us are going to get it. Uh, this is the other part too. If we reported about the common flu, like we are reporting about coronavirus, we would literally have panic in the streets. Panic in the streets. Three million people in the U.S., it's 1% of our population, gets the flu every year. In the last year, last, last thing I heard was 18,000 people have died from it. 18,000. What's going to happen with coronavirus? I don't have any idea. No idea. I think it's it's the coronavirus apparently acts similarly to the flu. If you're an immunosuppressed person, if you're old, if you've got respiratory problems, it'll hit you harder than everybody else. Uh, but I'm assuming lots and lots and lots of people are going to get it. Uh, and then it will blow through and run its course and then we'll be done with it. Um, so if you're trying to prepare for it, what should you get? <clears throat> Do you love oatmeal? If you're not a fiend for oatmeal, why are you buying <clears throat> 14 cans of oatmeal. I keep seeing that. Whenever we have a, a blizzard here or there's going to be some crazy weather and now with coronavirus, everyone's buying oatmeal off the shelves. I don't know, man. Uh, here's what I say. You want to stock up on some food? Stock up on things you already eat because when this blows over, you're going to want to eat all that food. Okay? So, do what you got to do. Uh, we have a, a chest freezer so we've got some extra food. Um... But it's all stuff that we eat anyway. We didn't get any brand new, crazy new food, you know, some long-term survival food uh, that we're probably not going to eat if this blows over. We stock up. Each time we go, we get a little bit more of some things. If you've got a freezer, uh, an extra freezer, it's a great thing because you can put all kinds of stuff in a freezer. Uh, you can put butter in a freezer. You can put cheese in a freezer. You can put bread in a freezer and keep it for a long, long time. So... We've got some extra food. Costco is almost out of rice. That was an interesting one. Almost out of rice. So stock up on your staples. People always buy beans and rice. And I'm like, that's awesome. Do you know how to make beans? <laughs> Do you know how to make beans from dried beans? Because if you don't, start Googling that stuff and trying it out. See if you like it. What if you don't like it? What if your family hates beans? I mean, it's like, yeah, can you live on it? For sure. Totally. Great staple. Great resource. Uh, and... If no one in your family wants to eat that, then what are you going to do? Salt, great. Spices, great. Uh, running out of that stuff's a huge pain. They were pretty low on coffee today. That was kind of a surprise. Pretty low on coffee. Uh, that would be a big one, man. You run out of coffee, we're going to have riots in the streets on that one. Um, pray. Ask the Lord to calm your heart. Ask the Lord to give you peace. Uh, ask the Lord for this to open doors with your neighbors if they need something to share with them. Um, Ask the Lord to protect all the countries of the world and to help those that are afflicted and those that are sick. Uh, and, you know, take care of your families. Uh, this isn't restricting my travel at all. Uh, I've got uh, two trips next month. I've got one to California. I've got one to do a PRC. Uh, if you still want us to come to your church, we're doing a, a MOPS event this week. I can't wait. It's going to be tons of fun. If you want Laura and I to come to your churches and do marriage and parenting seminars, we have tons of fun. There are tons of laughter. Uh, we have a great time. People learn a lot of stuff. They feel super relieved. Uh, we'll come, man. This isn't stopping us from going anywhere. 
I'm assuming I've been around someone with coronavirus already. That's my assumption. My assumption is once they get proper testing out there, we will find out way more people have it than we thought. They just thought they had a cold uh, and they got sick for a while. And so I'm assuming I've been around somebody with it already and I just haven't caught it yet if I'm going to or not. No big deal. Uh, I hope they don't shut schools down. I, I heard a very sobering fact. They were talking about shutting schools down in New York City. 115,000 students in New York City are homeless. Think about that. 115,000 children in New York City that go through the school systems are technically classified as homeless. And school is the only place they're getting fed, cleaned up, and able to do their laundry. That's why it's a scary thing to start talking about states of emergency. We're going to shut all the school systems down. By the way, start shutting the school systems down. What are you going to do with working parents? You got kindergartners, first, second, third, fourth, fifth graders. I mean, how old will a kid be before you leave them home on their own safely? Uh, what are you going to do with the parents that have to stay home because their kids are home? I don't know. Um, but I think we should not go into a panic. I think we shouldn't go into a panic. I love you guys. God bless. We'll see you soon.